God, my King, is from old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your might. You broke the heads of the sea monsters on the waters. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You gave him his food for the creatures of the wilderness. You split open springs and brooks. You dried up ever-flowing streams. Yours is the day, yours also the night. You have established the heavenly lights and the sun. You have fixed all the boundaries of the earth. You have made summer and winter. This is verses 12 to 17 of Psalm 74, which is the psalm appointed for today, Thursday, November the 3rd, 2022. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. We're continuing our look at the book of Ecclesiasticus today in chapter 44, the first 15 verses, and then over in Luke's Gospel in chapter 13, verses 18 to 30, and in the book of the Revelation, chapter 16, verses 12 to 21. So yesterday we looked at basically what what I read in that psalm today, summarized yesterday's um, lessons from Ecclesiasticus, which was that God had uh, created all things, and it would be impossible for us to exalt him enough, to know enough, frankly, to exalt him well enough. No matter what we could say, more could be said. Today we're going to look at men. We're going to go from... um, from looking at creation generically to now into human beings. Let's now sing the praises of famous men, our ancestors in their generations. The Lord apportioned to them great glory, his majesty from the beginning. There were those who ruled in their kingdoms and made a name for themselves by their valor, those who gave counsel because they were intelligent, those who spoke in prophetic oracles, those who led the people by their counsels and by their knowledge of the people's lore. They were wise in the words of instruction. Those who composed musical tunes or put verses into writing, rich men endowed with resources, living peacefully in their homes, all these were honored in their generations and were the pride of their times. And so we're going back and looking at at the past and saying that those who have come before us are worthy of honor as well. Some of them have left behind a name so that others declare their praise, but of others, there's no memory. They perished as though they had never existed. They become as though they had never been born, they and their children after them. But these also were godly men, whose righteous deeds have not been forgotten. Their wealth will remain with their descendants and their inheritance with their children's children. So I like this a lot. There, There was a guy from, actually, who lived in Knoxville that during World War II, or during the Depression, really, was asked to write about um, some biographies, and what he chose was this passage here, let us now praise famous men. But what he did was he went out and he found those men, those forgotten men, the ones that, that were in this last little piece here. Of the others, there's no memory. They perished as though they never existed. And he exalted the common man in, the, in that tome. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it's what we need to do more and more of. We need to, to pay uh, homage to those who, who do the work, who, who make the society work, who keep things together, who keep cars running, who take care of our homes, who take care of our vehicles, who teach our children, all those people that, that tend to get overlooked. And we need, to, we need to honor them. And it's important that we not just fixate ourselves as we tend to in the celebrity and sports celebrity culture that we live in, in raising up, you know, the, these people that we know nothing about and, and who have uh, who have added, you know, some things to society. But but why do we care so much about them? I mean, if you go to, to a lot of news sites, I mean, if you go to Yahoo News, for instance, that's a perfect place to go. Go to Yahoo News and just scroll down a little bit. You will be absolutely amazed at the, the vacuous coverage 
of celebrities and their Instagram posts. It's absolutely unbelievable. And instead, what we what the world should be doing is focusing on the common man and woman because they're the real heroes. They're the ones who keep families together and, and who do all the important work like fostering children, adopting children, all those kinds of things that these celebrities have opinions about but don't get involved in other than to, well, let's get in my my personal jet and fly across the world and talk about climate change with other people who flew here on their personal jets. Um, no, we need to be better as a society about saying no to that. We need to be better at that in the church because we can make celebrity pastors and we can forget guys who are out there, women who are out there leading churches that are 25, 30 people who are pouring everything they've got into those people who then pour into the people that are around them. No, those people are heroes too. They are absolutely heroes. And so we need to be better about not being celebrity worshipers in every aspect of our lives. Their descendants stand by the covenants, their children also for their sake. Their offspring will continue forever. Their glory will never be blotted out. Their bodies are buried in peace, but their name lives on generation after generation. The assembly declares their wisdom and the congregation proclaims their praise. Most of the people who've had uh, effect on my life, who have spoken into my life, who have, who have given of themselves to me, who, have, uh, who were mentors to me and all that kind of stuff, you've never heard of. You would never have heard of almost all the people who have had the most profound impact on my life. Uh, all the people that at Pauley's Island, all the people here in Asheville, all the people that, that were in Chattanooga when I was growing up in Knoxville later, it, you would not be familiar with, with almost any of the people that I might mention. But, but they've had a profound impact on my life. And because they have, they then have impacted all those whose lives I've ever impacted, including yours if you're listening to this podcast today. So we owe those people a great debt of gratitude. I couldn't even begin to name all of them because there are some people I'm positive who passed in and out of my life so briefly that I wasn't even aware of it. But, it, but in spite of that, they gave something to me that, that continues with me today. They, I saw somebody or whatever, you know, I, I saw somebody struggling or, or saw somebody struggling well with something and it impacted me and I didn't even know their name. You know, there, there's tons of those people in those moments in our lives where people impact us and we don't even know who they are. In the gospel today, Jesus says, what's the kingdom of God like and to what shall I compare it? Because he had just healed the woman yesterday, remember, and, and then had to say, you know, people matter more than matter more than donkeys and oxen. He said, it's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And so what he's saying is the kingdom of God starts out as something that doesn't look important, just like I was just talking about, something that doesn't look important at all, and then suddenly that thing grows and grows and becomes a great tree. And, and something there is, and nobody knows how that could possibly be. And, and in fact, most of the time, people couldn't even identify what it was. I think I've told you this before. I'm sure I have. But at Pauley's Island, that church, when I was there, was about 1,100 people. Well, 20 years before that, 25 years before that, it, it was like less than 100 people, and, and it was falling apart because the, the guy who had been the rector there had had affairs with multiple women, like 10 women in the church, and got caught. And, and you're talking about a church that was less than 100 people. In a little bitty town, I don't know how this guy did this, but at any rate, I mean, the church was falling apart. It had been there forever and ever and ever, and a group of women prayed. And not too many people knew this story, but a group of women prayed, and they prayed for a specific kind of person for God to bring to that place. They wanted a spirit-filled man who loved the Word of God, and they got one. 
and, and the place exploded. And you can say, well, you know, it was it was a town that was exploding at the same time. Well, maybe true, but neither the Methodist Church nor the Presbyterian Church expanded at the same time at anywhere near the same rate. So it it doesn't make whole water to give that explanation. But then there was a, the healing service. Even the healing service started out as a small little thing. Um, people, it was just basically an, an Episcopal healing service. You come and you just you know put your hand on somebody's head, you pray for them, and you wish them well. Then one day. A group of lay people uh, were running this the show, and and they had all been going to more charismatic healing kinds of conventions, and so they, they'd seen some things, but the rector couldn't be there that day, and he told another guy, "Hey, can you do the service today?" And he said, "Sure." And he looked at the people when he got up there. He looked at the other people who were going to be praying with the people, and he says, "You want to?" And they did. And three hours later, when the rector drove up, he said, "What's going on?" He said, "It's never going to be the same," and it wasn't. Because somebody took a step. But not many people knew that story. Not many people knew how that happened. Not many people today know how that happened. But, but these are not famous men. It didn't start through that rector. And that rector didn't get there on his own. He got there because a group of faithful women prayed. And then that healing service became what it was because some people took a risk. Some lay people that, that nobody around there knew very well. So it, that's exactly what it looks like. So don't despise the day of small things. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven that a woman took and hidden three measures of flour until it was all leavened. And, you know, if, you, if you've ever made bread or anything that needed to rise with dough that needed to rise, then you know what that looks like, that you put the tiny little package of yeast in there and suddenly the thing is twice the size that it used to be when you add a little heat to it. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house is risen and shut the door, you'll begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. Then he'll answer to you, I don't know where you come from. Now remember here that who Jesus is talking to, he's always, unless we're specifically told, he's always talking to Jews. And here he would be talking to Jewish pilgrims headed there for Passover to Jerusalem. And so that, these are the people he, who's asking the question, and these are the people Jesus is speaking to. He said, then you'll begin to say, wait, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. You know us. You were right here. But he'll say, I'll tell you, I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. So just being in the crowd isn't how you get in. He says, strive to enter in by the narrow door. It takes effort on your part. It doesn't take, oh, we hosted you, right? Hey, we had, we had you as a speaker, right? We, 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 had, we let you come in and do your thing. No, he says, that's not enough. Being part of the crowd, being those who said we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. No, 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 no. Being part of the crowd, being part of the congregation, not good enough. There's more required than that. In that place, he says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. The people that you're hanging your hats on, the people that you think are going to get you into the kingdom, aren't. They can't. You have to strive to enter in by the narrow door. And people will come from east and west, from north and south. He's talking about Gentiles now. And recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. Again, that goes back to that, let, let us now praise famous men. I mean, that's not a knock on famous men, because there are some great men who are also famous men. Billy Graham comes to mind. 
Um, lots and lots of others, too. I'm just, you know, Dwight Moody. I, I could probably keep naming him for a while, but I'm not going to um, because it, it would be useless. But, but it's not wrong to be a famous man or woman. But, but that's not the mass. That is not mostly the people who are doing the work and carrying the burdens. Those are the people who are showing up at church and who are doing the work that needs to be done, who are doing it quietly and who make everything run and make everything work. They make all the famous guys look good because they do all the work to make that happen. The sixth angel, this is Revelation now, poured out his bowl. There were seven bowls of wrath, remember? So we looked at the first five yesterday. Today, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. So we had already had it on the sea, the rivers, and the streams, and now specifically the Euphrates is mentioned. And its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. What does that mean? Well, you're going to hear in just a second. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. Well, frogs don't appear very often in Scripture, you know. (laughs) One of the places they do appear, however, is in Egypt. And they appear as one of the plagues when everything is filled with frogs. Well, there was actually a god (laughs) that that was frog-like, and that's where this is coming from. These are unclean spirits like frogs. For their demonic spirits, performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole earth to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen unexposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. So the, the kings from the east, the, the river Euphrates dries up so that there's no impediment for these kings of the east to get to Armageddon. They're going to get there in time for the, quote, battle, the battle that never happens because it all ends once the battle, the armies are arrayed against one another. So the the river Euphrates is dried up, and that's part of God's wrath. It's to make sure that these kings from the east are there, not so that they can win, but so that they can be judged altogether. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it's done. Sounds like it is finished, right? I mean, that's Jesus' words from the cross. Then there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as had never been seen since man (coughs) was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city, Babylon, was split into two, and the cities of the nations fell, and God remembered Babylon the great to make her drink the, drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. So in, in, I think it's Psalm 75 or 76, I've forgotten which right offhand, um, you'll see this, the, the nations drinking the dregs of the cup of richly spiced foaming wine that's in the, in the hand of the Lord, and it's to their judgment. It's, it's essentially here, drink poison. So, and that's exactly what this is talking about. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found, and great hailstones, about a hundred pounds each, fell from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plague of the hail, because the plague was so severe. And remember, in Egypt, there's also a plague of hail, and that hail falls only on the Egyptians and their cattle, because the, the, um, it was announced in advance, and the Israelites, who were shepherds at that time, took their flocks and herds in and, and sheltered them and kept them safe from the hail. And so here, again, you get these people who, who would ordinarily not praise God for anything that he does, now cursing him for what he does because it doesn't fit with what they want and it doesn't fit with, with good things, the things they think are good. But this is good if you'll pay attention 
in this hour. If you'll listen to the word of the Lord in this plague, then what you'll see is, I should get ready. He's giving me advance warning of the wrath that is to come and that the end is nigh. I've been given a warning. My reaction to that warning can be one of two things, right? It can be either to curse the Lord as they do or to say, fall on my knees, Lord, I cry out to you and I ask forgiveness. I confess my sins. I know who I am and I know what I am. And I come before you and I ask for your mercy in the name of Jesus. And that's exactly what our reaction ought to be in these situations. But that's not the reaction the world's going to have. I mean, I'm looking at stuff now and looking at people just absolutely cursing Christians over changes in like the, the Roe v. Wade stuff and all kinds of other things that, that Christians are being just slandered because what they have believed is a good has now been struck down and, and is not a good. And we've always said it was. So we're to blame and we're the hated enemy. I can live with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. But pray for those who think that way.